Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 577. This week on Cars Yeah, we're celebrating the Concorso Italiano. This spectacular event takes place during the Monterey Pebble Beach Car Week in California. You can learn more about this event at www.concorso.com. I'll see you there. Uh, the, the motto that I live by is, if there is a will, there is a way. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Paolo Faraboli. Paolo, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> All right. Great to have you here. Paolo Faraboli is the founder and director of Automobili Lamborghini Advanced Composite Structures Laboratory, otherwise known as ACSL, in Seattle, Washington, just a little north of me here in Gig Harbor. He and his team are responsible for the development of new CFRP technologies and structure chassis concepts for Lamborghini. Paolo is also the founder and CEO of Gemini Composites, a design firm focused on product development, including design, analysis, testing, and manufacturing components for the automotive and numerous other industries. Since 2013, Dr. Faraboli is also a research professor at the Nagoya Institute of Technology in Japan. He's the recipient of the 2010 Young Investor Award for Composite Materials and the founding chair of the CMH17 Working Group on Crash Worthiness. You are a busy guy, Paolo. <laughs> I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career, your businesses, and your passion for automobiles? Well, uh, thank you, Mark. Um, yeah, I started uh, getting to cars in 2001, 2002. I did an internship uh, right after college at Lamborghini. And as we'll, we have a chance to talk about later, that changed my life in many ways. Um, even though I left for the U.S. in 2002 to pursue, you know, uh, my own career, which took me through aerospace at NASA and Boeing and then at the University of Washington as a professor, but then it circled right back to working with Lamborghini. And in, you know, just this year, we've officially inaugurated the new, you know, Lamborghini Lab, the new ACSL here in Seattle. So it's been a full circle there. 
And the, as you correctly said, you know, my job, you know, on one hand, you know, with, with the Lamborghini Lab is to develop new technologies, materials, designs, and concepts for the needs of Lamborghini research and development. And then on the other hand is the, you know, through the, the sister organization called Gemini is to take those same technologies and develop new designs for other industries and other applications, in particular sporting goods and recreational. So golf clubs, mountain bikes, snowboard bindings, and other products. So that's kind of what, what I do. Well, kind of what you do is a big understatement because what you guys are developing and creating is really the future in my mind. And it's so exciting as us automotive fanatics learn more and more about composites, the use of composites on automobiles, lightweightness to help with fuel economy and structural strength integrity and this racing technology that's been brought to the street. You are playing with some really fun stuff. And we're going to learn a lot more about that as we move through the questions. <laughs> but first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or some kind of mantra, something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Paolo, take the wheel. <laughs> well, it may be banal, but uh, the, the motto that I live by is, if there is a will, there is a way. <laughs> Meaning, if you really aspire to something and, and you really work incessantly toward it, you will get there. And that's kind of what I really firmly believe in. You know, it's the, the sky's the limit if you work for it. Well, you guys are creating the future. So I think that mantra is perfect for what you're doing. How do you incorporate that quote into a lot of the business aspects of what you're doing? Well, you know, working with carbon fiber, you're always, you know, on the defensive because people have, you know, traditionally, especially in the past, but still today, uh, you know, skeptical, you know, they've always been misinformed or miseducated or they've just gotten a bad experience with carbon fiber. So the typical things you hear is that it's too brittle, that it's put in a crash, that it's going to catch fire, that, uh, you know, in the case of aerospace, it's going to be bad with lightning strike or hail strike. Mm -hmm. it's, it's prone to damage of all sorts. It's too expensive and it's too slow to make. You know, you always hear these, I mean, these preconceptions about carbon fiber. And so you always have to be on the defensive. And, you know, the, the, the way you get around that is that, you know, if there is a will, there is a way. Meaning <laughs> you have to change the paradigm. You have to reinvent the, you know, the, the, what you're trying to design. You can't just simply take something as it is and just, turn it into carbon fiber, you have to redesign it from scratch for the carbon. But if you do that, you know, you can be very successful. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's very interesting to me because all those old sayings or concepts ring true in my mind as you were going through them. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. And, and <laughs> right. not having the knowledge that you have, I, I assume, wrongly assume, we know what assuming gets us many times, is that <laughs> all of that is true, but are much like, I guess, the development of metals throughout time, it keeps improving, they keep changing it, they keep using metals for different things. So it sounds like carbon is the same thing in some sense. Well, there is definitely that. So, you know, earlier on in the 70s and 80s, you know, the, the resins in particular, the carbon fiber in itself has not changed dramatically, perhaps. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I mean, it has improved, but not dramatically. But the resins, which constitute the 50% of the actual composite, so of course they're a fundamental portion of it. Right. The polymers are have changed dramatically, and mm -hmm. so one, you know, they become more ductile and then more, you know, easier to work with and whatnot. So there's that aspect for sure. And then there's another aspect which goes more in the terms of design, which is if you make a part, you know, thinking about metal, and then you try to do it out of carbon, it won't necessarily work. So there's to give you a very, very simple example in case of a car, if you make the front end, you know, crash absorber, you know, in a car and then the typical steel or even aluminum car is usually some sort of a square tube, you mm -hmm. know, that's the typical front rail that absorbs energy during a frontal crash. Okay. Well, it turns out if you do a carbon fiber square tube, not only, of course, it's got difficulties because you can't extrude it like you do with metal so there's cost and you know, associated with it you're trying to force a square peg in a circular hole <laughs> but also there's the fact that uh, it turns out the carbon in, in you know does not absorb energy well in that shape oh. on the other hand if you make that energy absorber some sort of a sinusoid like a corrugated web then it absorbs an incredible amount of energy three times more than an, an aluminum tube Wow. And so, again, that's where, you know, the material is developed, but also you have to re revisit, you know, your your customs of doing things and, and re-evaluate them and try to get around the limitations. So if somebody made a carbon fiber tube and crushed it and said, oh, gee, you know, you only absorb 50% of what you absorb with aluminum, but then you make a sinusoidal shape and then you absorb 300% of the aluminum tube, then you get a very different experience. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Very interesting. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. That's an awesome example. Let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment as you look back in your life when you knew that you were a car guy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely is, actually, because I, I actually grew up with a passion for stealth airplanes and military jets. And actually, the person I worked with for several years, name was Filippo Perini, was the actual uh, designer of Lamborghini for from 2000 and seven to 2015 and he's the one that, that drew the Reventon, the Aventador, the you know, the the Sesto and many others. So we're close with them. We both had this passion for stealth airplanes and military jets. But uh, in my case actually, um, you know, I came to the US because I wanted to be the next Kelly Johnson or Ben Rich, you know, of the Lockheed Skunk Works. Okay. But in the meantime I actually happened to fall into an internship at Lamborghini in 2001-2002 and uh turns out that you know I met people these amazing people like uh, Mr. Attilio Mazzini, Maurizio Reggiani who's today the uh chief technical officer of Lamborghini and then I met um, you know Andrea Bonfatti and of course you all know Valentino Baldoni and <laughs> you know and I met <laughs> with Dina Baraldi people like that and these people literally changed my life. I mean, the company at the time was much smaller than it is today. It was very different. It was much more of a big family that had a true company. But that really changed my my life because, you know, the sheer power, passion, and energy that I felt in Santagata during those six months of internship changed me forever and made me want to become uh, a Lamborghini person first and foremost, and then you know, a car person by default. Yeah. So that's what that was my moment. So although I left to the U.S. to pursue my own career, 
those experiences, those feelings really stayed with me all the time. And, you know, in 2007, when they called me to <laughs> to develop the, the, the monocoque for the soon to be Aventador, you know, that's where I kind of, the circle closed. I mean, oh that's where gosh. it all kind of came together. So Yeah, wow. What a time or an environment to start a passion for cars. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you're with some you're with some superstars. In fact, by the way, tomorrow's guest on Cars Yeah is Filippo Perini. So yes. Oh really? Yep, he, he's following you as a fellow alumni <laughs> here. So yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Great. That's great. Italian that's great. week here during Concorso Italiano week here on Cars Yeah. So uh Right and you know but matter of fact, I mean, when we were, you know, when Filippo was in charge of the Centro Stile at Lamborghini, and we both worked basically for Maurizio Reggiani, I mean, what was uh, unique was that both he and I had this passion for military airplanes, and you can see in his aesthetics, if you if you look at, you know, the looks at the Reventon, oh, which yes. was the first one that he really did, you know, inspire to stealth planes, but then you see the Egoista, but then you see the Aventador, and, and the Sestol, I mean, you see where that stealth, you know, design comes through. Oh, yeah. And, and then you look at all the technology that I brought in from aerospace to those cars to make the chassis and the body of those cars. I mean, that's what made, made a really powerful combination. You know, right. that was a unique pleasure to work on those cars together. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, what an honor to work on the, that vehicle in particular. But uh, very cool, very cool. Well, Paolo, what I <laughs> want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You're an entrepreneur. You've had your own businesses for a long time. You're, you can evolve in a lot of different things. And with these come a lot of challenges and sometimes some big failures. So I'd love for you to take us to that place in time, that painful place <laughs> in time. But most importantly, after you shared that, how did you overcome the situation? What did it teach you that you could carry that lesson forward? Well, there, I think there's a long list of failures that I could go through. <laughs> and, you know, uh, in some ways, one of the ones that I, I see as the biggest failures, I was a professor at the University of Washington for eight years. And I got there, I was actually placed there by Boeing and the effort and the uh, Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2005 because they wanted to, one, train a whole, you know, plethora of new engineers that would have been ready to handle the carbon fiber work of the 787. Mm. And two, they wanted me to be doing basically what they would call strategic dissemination of information. So I was there to do that on behalf, really, of them. And I enjoyed doing that. The, the problems I thought you know, and and then along the way, I brought in Lamborghini to the UW, and I thought that uh, I could change the mentality there to be more applied and less theoretical. And instead, turns out that you know it's not as easy as I thought. You know, I, <laughs> to move that big institution into another direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it turns out that they're you know they remain very much focused on on theory, not so much in application and practice, mm. and. It was a, um, you know, it was a, a mistake on my on my end to think that I could change that. Ah, so okay. not, you know, not so much that that it was like that because I mean, you know, things are the way they are. But it was a mistake, a naive, you know, youth error of me to think that instead I could change that. Ah. When instead, you know, so that was definitely, you know, that I can say it's always that. And then 
you know, in general, I say that every day, you know, since I'm not a direct you know, employee of Lamborghini. I've never been a direct employee anywhere, actually. Never been a direct employee of any company. And, you know, on one hand, I enjoy the freedom that comes with it. And on the other hand, I don't enjoy the insecurity that comes with it. <laughs> yeah, welcome to entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so those are, you know, because of that, every day is always kind of an up and down of successes and, you know, and worries and failures sure. every day there is that roller coaster so oh yeah yeah well if there's a takeaway from either of those two situations the entrepreneurship aspect or trying to move an institution into a, a new mindset what what would be one takeaway you could share with the cars yeah listeners that might help them if they're facing a similar challenge well trying to change the establishment whatever that may be is never a smart move <laughs> uh, and you know you know those are the typical mistakes you know young people go to war you don't see old people going to war and there's a reason for that yeah, that yeah. you know want to try to change the world is something you do when you're young mm -hmm. after you fight a few battles you kind of try to you know do that less yes so I, I would say that you know try try to find your own path without having to change the establishment is probably the, the most successful way. Mm, yeah, very well said. Well, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment. You're involved in several different businesses. You're still a professor. Is there a time when the headlights kind of came on for you for a new idea, a new <laughs> direction in your career? And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, so, you know, if you remember the, the movie The Graduate where Dustin Hoffman doesn't know what to do in his future and gets told by that older Plastics. guy, one word for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, I remember. You know, I got one word for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so and, that, and that was like 1966, 7, 8, something yeah. like that. Yeah, somewhere And, there. you know, and well, in 2001, I saw, you know, I, you know, again, when, you know, I was doing my, you know, I was a, actually, I was not even yet doing my internship at Lamborghini, but I saw it was a moment where all sort of new cars were coming out, you know, the, the super, super, super exclusive cars, you know, like, the, you know, the Morcelago, Enzo, McLaren SLR, uh, the Bugatti Veyron, they were about to be launched. And so mm -hmm. I saw carbon as to become the next big thing. So my master's degree was in thermal aerodynamics, so considerably different and because I thought I was, again, going to work in military jets. But then when I I kind of saw kind of what was going to happen with the carbon, I decided to switch, start afresh, come to the U.S. and get a doctorate in carbon. So I dropped everything in Italy and, and I came here. Wow, what a move. I mean, that was yeah. that was a, a big, bold move in many ways because you're yeah, sitting at that, Lamborghini, the heart of wonder in the automotive world there, and then you said, I think I'll go do something over there in that other country. And <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, it was, it was bold, yeah. And, you know, at the time, I, I remember my colleagues, like Mazzini and Johnny, definitely weren't fully sure why I was going to do that. Yeah. But turns out, you know, it, it hopefully was a good decision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look where it's brought you today. Fantastic. You get to be involved in so many different cool things. So I think from a designer standpoint, that's pretty exciting. 
Uh, I had uh, yeah. Ken Okiyomo, who's uh, the gentleman who designed the Enzo on yesterday, and he said a similar thing. He was uh, working for Paninfarina and decided, I'm going to go back to Japan and start a design firm where I can work on lots of different things instead of just one industry. Yep, yeah. that's a bold move. <laughs> yeah, bold. Yeah, he said the same thing you said. Kind of scary. <laughs> kind of scary, but it's worked out pretty well for him as well. That's great. Kudos to you for doing that. Let's talk about proudest career moments. I would assume you've had many. I know you've received awards and you've been involved in so many things, but is there one that stands out for you that you could share with our listeners today? Well, yeah, you know, every time one of my design materializes into an actual product that hits the market, you know, whether it's the Callaway Club or, you know, the Union Snowboard Binding, you know, or the forged, you know, interior of the Huracan. I mean, every time something like that goes to market, it's kind of a celebration. But if I have to pick truly what makes me what well definitely what makes me the pride the proudest and also what I see as one of the pinnacles of 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 what I did I would say that that is the sesto elemento that's the the car the sesto elemento was a you know technology demonstrator vehicle you know that we launched in that Lamborghini launched in 2010 um, and that was born out of an idea that I brought to Maurizio Reggiani as a scaled model. Uh, I brought it to him in a hair, in an airport business lounge, actually, in oh. March 2010. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, we met into an airport business lounge. Well, you know, he was going somewhere. I was coming from somewhere, and I showed him the scale model, and he told me to put it back into my carry-on. And by the time he landed, you know, the machine had been put in motions. And three days later, the project known as LB999, which was, you know, was to become the Sesto Lamento, and uh, LB99 because of the 999 Kilograms. Ah. LB999 was approved, and so actually six months later, September 30th, the finished car was shown at the Paris Auto Show and had all the content that I had proposed, the monocoque and forge composite, the suspensions and forge composite, the ultra lightweight thin you know shell skin with you know everything i proposed together with the beautiful design that filippo perini did mm-hmm. you know all those things you know you know went from literally a scale concept of march you know 2010 to a finished car in september 2010 so that wow. was a race against time and talk about challenges. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's you know? really so, fast. Oh, yeah. Making a mold, a steel mold that weighed tons and tons to make a one-piece monocoque. Yeah, that was insane. And doing that in, in days was beyond insane. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. Well, that vehicle it was just such a... A stunner in so many ways. Obviously, the technological side of the thing is what really blew most people away. The looks, of course, of what they designed is was spectacular. I mean, and again, it looks like some kind of a fighter jet or space age <laughs> rocket thing that would come from outer space and shoot lasers at people. But uh, <laughs> right. bravo to you and the team. I mean, obviously, it's a lot of people involved in that kind of thing. But I can't believe how f- I didn't realize how fast that came to fruition. Yep. Wow. So March 10 in an airport lounge. Three days later. Was a go to start tooling. <laughs> oh my gosh! That must you must have just got off the phone call and went what? <laughs> Is that for that real? Was really it? That was literally kind of what happened. <laughs> yeah! Wow! What a great story! Thanks for sharing that. Let's yeah. have a little bit of fun here and go back in time. What was your first really special car? That first vehicle that you got that was really special and unique for you, and maybe you could share a memory you have with that car. 
<laughs> so, you know, I had a couple of interactions with supercars back, you know, when I was younger, you know, I actually got to drive a Ferrari 355 on Imola racetrack because I won the Bologna, the, the city I was from, Bologna, I had a competition for whoever, every year for whoever was the best newly what do you call it uh, when you get a, a driver's license, a newly dri- a licensed sure. mm-hmm. you know, per person of the year. So, you know, that year turns out I scored the highest. So I got to take uh, two laps around Vimola in the 355. And you were what, 16 at the time? or how, 18, how, 18. Okay, 18, oh, in, in, in Italy, Italy you have to be yeah, 18. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But my, but if I, if I really have to take my real favorite or most defining experience was 2002, and uh, this was during my six months internship. Matter of fact, was the last week of my internship, and kind of as an award, so to speak, kind of as a award because it wasn't really paid. So my my colleague, uh, mentor Attilio Mazzini, drove me to see a supplier in the Marche region of Italy, it was about a two-hour drive away, in a normal car, that is. <laughs> and he decided to take me down to see this supplier that was doing carbon fiber work for us in a yellow Murcielago. And 2000, this was early 2002, right before the European laws came in and all the speed detector thingies you know, were mounted and yeah. all that. So yeah. at the time, you know, speed limit in Italy was really, truly a suggestion. <laughs> and uh, so I remember, not only took us an hour and two minutes, minutes to do what would usually take two hours, you know, but also just the overall experience of going in this brand new, you know, Morcelago. Morcelago had just been launched, um, say, two months before, so it was a you know, the new thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, there's a story behind that. You know, that one was, um, it was a research and development car that had undergone a bunch of testing and Nardo, you know, actually was just, you know, it was an R and D car. And so we left the factory and about 10 miles into it, you know, the black Murcielago we were in, all all the instrument panel lit up, started flashing and basically died on us on the freeway. Oh no. (laughs) So, so Mazzini had to call in to, you know, Pirali was at the time in charge of the, uh, of the fleet of the R&D, you know, four or five R&D test cars. Hey, uh, well, you know, we have a problem, you know, what's, what's happening? Well, this light came on, that light came on, started flashing, doing this, doing that. Say, oh yeah, you have a problem. So, just hold on there. We'll we'll come by right away. So they came by with another Morcielago, this time yellow. <laughs> nice. And so we left that one there at the at the Autogrill on the freeway, and then we took the other one and kept going. So well, isn't that nice to have a backup Lambo? I mean, we all yeah. need a backup Lambo. I just like to have a one Lambo, much less a backup Lambo. So nice to have the factory so, support there. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's very cool. That's true. Now, how about today? I know there's lots of things in the design world you can't discuss because they're secretive. There's yet to come out. But is there anything you can share with us that you're working on now that really has you excited and fired up for the future? Yeah, and I can, of course, like you just said, I might mention too much of the details, but uh, during the inauguration ceremony, I showed one general concept of it. I couldn't show the other two that were covered by a veil, but uh, I'm the what I'm working on, been working on for now three years, and I'm excited about, uh, hopefully one day we'll hit the market, is a one-piece chassis. Ooh. And one piece body construction. So, you know, you know, we've been, you know, I think that part of consolidation and integration is, is key to the future, in particular with carbon fiber. And we showed that with monocoques. We showed that with the Sesto Element 
a tub uh, that you know that's you know basically one piece replaced something like eighty aluminum pieces kind of thing. Wow. But I think that the, the the future, and that's what I've been working on for, like I said, three years, is the one piece construction. You know, I mean, if you can achieve that one piece construction, I mean, I've. I mean, we as a team have been able to to show that you know we've matured the single technologies, we've matured the process and and technology, matured the repair technology, matured the analysis and crash you know technology. And so now all the ingredients are there to be able to make a one piece you know unibody uh, construction, but even more so, you know now make it a fully you know, a full, no, no longer a frame approach, but a, a, a full body approach, wow. a one-piece chassis body construction. Very cool. Yeah, that's very interesting. Well, well, we'll look for seeing that coming out sometime in the near future. That's really exciting. I like that. We've come, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> we've come full circle back to my Matchbox cars, unibody construction. Yes, <laughs> correct, correct. And that's the goal. If I look, if you look at, you know, the... If you look at ways that car models are built, mm-hmm. like even the cheap, you know, the cheaper Barago diecast models, sure. that is the starting point, in my opinion, for how cars should be ah, built. There you go. Very cool. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Paolo. If you were mm-hmm. a car, what kind of car would you be <laughs> and why? I, I think either a Diablo GT or a Murcielago SV, okay. you know, and that's just because I know them. Yeah. Maybe others like that, but I know those well. And, you know, I feel like those are the ultimate representation of the bull. You know, you cannot tame the bull, right? I mean, the bull cannot (laughs) be tamed. Yes. And especially the Murcielago and and the Diablo or the Diablo GT, you know, you have to respect the car because the minute you don't (laughs) is when you get in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So I wish I could be, you know, a Murcielago SV or a Diablo GT, something that is you know is this you know, just lean mean and you know and and overall untamable <laughs> well very cool well and especially given your history with the vehicles i think that's a perfect fit they are a part of you so very cool well paulo up next is the last lap but before we put the pedal to the metal let's say thank you to today's cars yeah sponsors Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, FINRA SIPC. 
Okay, Paolo, we are entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received, and who was it from? Uh, <laughs> I, it's, actually, it's actually from my Ph.D. advisor, uh, Keith Kedward. Uh, it was uh, Vice President McDonnell Douglas, and he taught me this not only you know, for, for everything I did, but uh, you know, the advice was, you know, you need beauty and you need to teach beauty. Oh. If there is no beauty in something, it is useless. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. That's not what I would have expected from someone in that position. <laughs> so very cool. Now, would you share a personal habit that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Uh, I would say, you know, aim higher than where you'd like to go. Hmm. Don't aim at, you know, where you want to go, but you need to aim higher so that you can get there. Very nice. Now, how about a resource? I know there's lots of resources these days with Google and the internet and all these things, but is there one in particular that stands out for you? No, I think, you know, you've got a point. I think, fortunately, I'm, I'm a strong believer. I, I don't I have a hard time reading online, so everything I find online I print because I I like the paper feel and I can focus on it on better. You sound like my wife, and she's an engineer, so... uh Maybe that engineering <laughs> mindset comes through. Maybe, maybe. So, but I, I think that you know, with you know, with exception of that, I think that nowadays, truly, you know, it's you know, it's no longer like it used to be, where you know, knowing the resource was as critical in the sense that now you have access to literally a world of information and yeah, things. So, it's, it's I incredible. am not, you know, I can't, I can't honestly, you know, say one better than the other. One thing I recommend is you know, make sure you listen to cars yeah but, hey there you I go mean, <laughs> <laughs> you're my so new best friend <laughs> i appreciate that very much yeah sure. there's lots lots we learn here that's for sure with with all the inspiring automotive enthusiasts i've had on the show here so thank you for that now yeah. how, how about a book since you love to read is there a book you've read recently that you think the cars yeah listeners would enjoy reading yeah, I, I, my passion, is, you know, lies in in, in, uh, in Roman and pre-Roman history. So oh, you wow. know, that's that's uh, you know, so any classic by Seneca or Cicero. But you know, I particularly always enjoy the Gallic Wars by Caesar. Uh, I think that all that needed to be said was said by the you know classical Greek and Roman writers. Uh, it's kind of like you know Seinfeld. You know, said it all, you know, 15, 20 years ago. You know, any <laughs> other TV show after that is kind of a, you know, repeat of what's already been dealt with in Seinfeld. <laughs> there is no human situation that has not been analyzed in Seinfeld. Well, similarly, I think there's no human, you know, state that has not been analyzed and or discussed by the Greek-Roman classic. Wow. Now, that is a very interesting comparison, Seinfeld with the Greek and Roman classics. <laughs> wow. Well, I hope Jerry's out there listening and smiling when he heard that. And I know one of his, uh, I know one of his past writers, Spike Ferriston, who's been a guest here, is a listener, and I'm sure he's smiling when he heard that, so... <laughs> that is true, though. I, I, I do believe that, you know, in a similar ways, those are the very fundamental questions and problems that you deal with as a human being. Yeah. And in business, that's 
still what you deal with. The technical side is always the easy side. It's the human <laughs> side that's difficult. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, it definitely is. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Paolo's so, been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash Paolo Ferroboli. And you spell his name P-A-O-L-O and his last name F-E-R-A-B-O-L-I. All right, Paolo, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but money's no object, I'll buy you any car you want. If we uh, run into each other at uh, Concorso Italiano, I'll buy you any car on the lawn there, or at Pebble Beach this summer, what would that vehicle be, and more importantly, why? Well, you know, we're, we're hitting it close to home because, again, of what I said earlier. So yeah. if I were to really be able to choose a car that I would like to be proud of to show people because of the story behind it and as well as to drive would be the Sesto Lamento. I mean, it's, you know, for a number of reasons, you know, in terms of technology, in terms of what it means to me specifically, but also as a car, you know, I think it's, it, it, you know, kind of summarize all the things that I believe in, which is, Small, agile, light, you know, just, just lightning fast, yeah. you know, as, you know, spinning you know, like a swallow, as, you know, was said before. So I think that that car, if I were to be able to have a car that I could drive and I could own, that would be it. Ah, nice choice. That's going to cost me a pretty penny. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but that's okay. For you, Paolo, anything is possible. So. Hello, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better and listening to many of your stories. I think we could talk for hours. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your very own Lamborghini Siesto Lamento? <laughs> well, I mean... I literally feel every day that I never work because, you know, what I do does not feel like work in the sense that I, you know, that line between hobby, life, style and work mm -hmm. is just not there. It's it's one and the same. So I don't, you know, I have a hard time when, you know, relating to people that either live to work or work to live either way because that line just is not there. Yep. So I don't, you know, just like I think you, I mean, you know, you have the show, which is your work, but really is your passion. And yeah. so, you know, where it ends and where it starts, you know, there is no solution of continuity. It's one and the same, right? Right. So I think that my recommendation, you know, for someone who's, you know, trying to figure out what to do would just be uh, find something you like to do and turn that job or work into your life because then it doesn't no longer feel like a job or work but it becomes your life and so you can have fun doing it and you can be good at it and there is the secret to life in one simple comment so very nice very nice so what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your companies well, uh, you, you can find me on www.lambolab.org. Okay. So that's where you can find my contact information and some of the stuff we do and whatnot. And then, of course, you know, there we are on Facebook and all, okay. and all that. But lambolab.org is kind of where to find us. Yeah, lambolab. I like that. Just flows off the tongue. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything that Paolo shared today at carsyad.com. Just type Paolo, again, P-A-O-L-O -O in the search bar. He's the only Paolo that's been here on Cars, yeah, so he'll be easy to find. 
that page will pop up. Check out what he's up to. I mean, here's a guy that is living the dream, having fun, designing, creating the future for all of us. So uh, check it out. And don't forget to check out concorso.com. Learn about this upcoming event this weekend. Absolutely fantastic if you're in the Monterey Bay Area, Pebble Beach. You've got to go to Concorso Italiano. Oh, my God. Italiano. It's an amazing event. Amazing event. If it hasn't been there, it has to be there if at least once. Yes. If they, yeah. they do once, I'm sure they're going to go back. Oh, yeah. I think this will be my 25th uh, event this summer, so uh, uh, this weekend. Yeah, so many, many times. Well, Paolo. Grazie. Thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you at the Concorso Italiano. I'll see you at the Concorso and thank you for, thank you, Mark, for everything and for this amazing, you know, show you put together. You're welcome. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.